PR media. How do you get journalists to want to talk about you? How do you get them to talk about your book? Well, one classic tool in the toolbox for every author is the press release. You're like, what? Press releases still happen? Yes, they do. And that is what we're going to talk about on this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., CEO of Author Media and Vulcan of Book Marketing, and today we're joined by a guest who founded e-releases 22 years ago to help small businesses, authors, and startups increase their visibility and credibility through press release marketing. Mickey Kennedy, welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thanks for having me. So I have to ask first, are press releases still a thing? They are. They still work. And in some cases, you can take one press release and get considerable uh, media pickup. We had uh, last year during the pandemic, Dining Bond Initiative that was selling basically the concept of like war bonds, but dining bonds to help local restaurants. And they got picked up. uh, We stopped counting after about 150 news outlets, uh, Washington Post, New York Times, uh, CNN, all the big ones, uh, including some international media pickup as well. And it drove, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to the websites, millions of dollars as a result, went back to local restaurants. And so that's the kind of thing that can happen with a press release. What happens most typically, though, is a favorable outcome might be anywhere from two to four articles for, you know, a successful press release. Yeah, I remember I used to host a drive time radio show. And so for two hours every day, I would uh, every weekday, I'd bring Austinites home. After their busy day of work, they would listen to me talk about news and politics. And I had guests on. And every day, I had to fill two hours of airtime with interesting content for my readers. And it was interesting because I, as a journalist, was wanting to get press releases. And there were services that would you know, basically pre-create radio shows. And they'd have all the press releases ready to go of different news and the trick of as a radio show host was to take these services and these you know this kind of tsunami of news releases and find the interesting ones find the uh, ones that would be the right fit for my audience and and adapt it and so it really is a very useful thing but before we get, get into the details tell us what is a press release for somebody's like I've heard the term but what is a press release uh, basically, it's a announcement to the media. It's generally written in the third person. If you have anything that's uh, first person, that usually is included in a quote. So it could be, uh, you know, says author name. There's usually a press contact, a headline, and not much else is required other than things like a dateline. For authors, a lot of them will pick New York or Los Angeles. This doesn't have to be where you're located, but it's up to you in regards to that. And uh, they're pretty easy to write, harder to strategize. And that's where I think a lot of people need to spend a little more time trying to figure out what it is that they're going to write about as opposed to making sure it's well-written. Yeah, I think the most important thing, at least from my perspective as a radio show host, was the hook. It's the how is this story interesting, right? The classic boring press release is such and such company hires new vice president for operations, right? Sure. Like the, the industry rags may cover it, but it's not a interesting topic. So how do you find that hook? How do you find that interesting 
element for your press release? Well, um, is there something, you know, what is it that's unique that you're announcing for someone who's releasing a novel? What makes your novel different than everything else out there? Is it the setting? Is it the story? Is it the, the twist? What can you say without giving it away that would be compelling? Sometimes it's the mood that's captured. It's very difficult for a novelist to get media pickup through a press release because it is so difficult to translate. Because a lot of times what people love about a novelist is the way it was written, the way certain things were conveyed, the story. And that's really hard to articulate and come across in a press release. So it makes it very difficult and challenging. But that being said, there are people that do it and have, have done it effectively. So give us the goods. How did they do it effectively? What's the secret? Um, persistence. We have one author, Sam Jane Brown, who did dozens of releases with us. She stayed true to it. She kept trying different hooks and angles. And that was one of the things that we uh, talked about was, what is it that you can say that you haven't said already? And what's a different perspective? And so we brainstormed and came up with a lot of different hooks and approaches. Is it the setting? Is it, you know, the protagonist? Is it you know, this and until she finally found some traction, a little bit of it is familiarity. She had done a few releases, so people had skimmed it before and not covered it. And then eventually she started getting some media pickup. It, it is one of those things that, you know, being persistent and trying different bait will eventually land you some hooks. The biggest bias that journalists have, and it's an incredible bias, is against boring. And nothing that you do ever feels boring, right? If I'm doing it for me, it feels interesting. But it has to feel interesting to a stranger. And the big question that uh, journalists are always asking is, is this newsworthy? Is what we're talking about a newsworthy topic? And you're talking about trying different things. But you have to kind of know what to try, right? Like the goal is to try different stuff that makes it feel newsworthy. One is to do what's called newsjacking, right? which is where you take something that's going on in the world and you connect it with your story or you connect it with your book and you position yourself as the follow-up story. So news happens really fast. The morning, then, you know, let's say there's a, um, let's say there's a terrorist attack and, in the morning, they do the opening story about the terrorist attack. More information is coming out. It's all anyone can talk about. But the next day, every single journalist has to do another story about the terrorist attack. But there's been no, there's no new information. Right? The, the government isn't releasing any information yet. There's still everything's still under investigation. Uh, the police chief is giving these press conferences where he's not saying anything for an hour worth of questions. And the journalists are desperate for experts to come on to continue the story. And that's where suddenly, ta-da, you, the author, can have that next part of the story. Or perhaps something less salacious is going on, less, less exciting than that. There's just the one story in the news, and they need a follow-up story because it's got some heat. But they don't have any more information they need an expert to bring on. And believe it or not, by being an author, you can position yourself as the expert. And a strategic, that's when... Uh, moving quickly with news release can be really helpful because they're like, aha, here's an expert. Let's get them on in five minutes on the on the radio or whatever. So what tips do you have for using press releases as a way of newsjacking? 
I think that uh, the quote is really important, whether it's one or a couple of quotes that you include. You know, that's the area where you can shine and show your writing talents and be original. What I find is quotes that are very compelling and cannot be easily paraphrased make for inclusion in a lot of articles. And they want to reach out and talk to that person because they can tell that they're going to get some more content that is going to be really elevated and and strong. Also, things that you can do uh, with Newsjack is can you elevate the conversation going back to the terrorist attacks are there things that people can be doing right now to prepare ourselves are there things that based on your research or what you've written about are you aware of other vulnerabilities that could be out there or things that the average person could do so just being prepared with information that uh, is useful to uh, readers or listeners, as well as information that can help put people at ease and prepare them. And to think ahead of time about the kinds of news stories that you could be a good fit for. Because I imagine a bunch of you just heard this example and you're like, I'd never be the guy for a terrorist story. And that's just the first type of news that popped into my head. But almost every book has some kind of news story it could attach itself to. And so think about the kinds of news stories that happen. Because there's only maybe 50 or 100 kinds of news stories. The news is the same stuff every day. It's different faces. But there's a Simon and Garfunkel song where they're playing clips from the news from the 1960s where they make it sound like the world's coming to an end. And nothing is new. There's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> so um, that news story that you're waiting for, let's say it's a, um, you write, you have a novel and it takes place in a, there's a blizzard happening in the novel. Well, maybe you can have, you wait for a good winter weather event. And, you know, in Texas, we could have used some helpful tips on how to survive a, a winter weather event. <laughs> some people didn't. And some people had a really rough time, right? That's how we greet each other now. It's like, how did you survive the storm, right? bundle up or what he did and so if you know that ahead of time you can start preparing where the only bit that you're having to do on the press release is the part that's connecting with the current news event that's going on and the rest of it you kind of already worked out what your pitch is so newsjacking is one technique for making a press release newsworthy how else can we do it Uh, if we're not trying to hijack what something else is going on what else can we do uh, data and statistics works really well. Is there something, a tie-in with your book that you could pull numbers that are out there and contextually say something that's interesting? I had a author who had created a novel that was semi-autobiographical about dealing with the concept of comfort women from the Philippines during the war. And there are a lot of statistics and attention going on human trafficking right now and things like that. So there's ways to tie it in and to make it really relevant for people who are very conscious of that right now and and to you know be told that you know during war these things happened and uh, sadly no one or very few people talk about it today. A lot of the contemporary people who went through it it's just something they live with and it's not discussed or or dealt with and this novel sort of opens that up. And for, I, I, you know, I, I think that because of so much light being shown on human trafficking, that there's a real opportunity to start the conversation flowing and to get people to talk about what happened and what they went through. And human trafficking is a really hot topic right now. It is. It's a term that didn't even exist 
20 years ago. 20, 30 years ago, they just called it prostitution. And now the whole conversation has changed. And this is why it's important to be familiar with what's going on, right? There are media narratives, and the media is each day is kind of harmonizing with the day that came before. And obviously, there are trends that change and things come and go, but you can only notice those if you take a step back, <laughs> right? There, there was a time when the you know, cameras on phones was the thing ever, the media was really scaring people about. It's like these right. camera phones, people can take a picture of you anytime. Everyone was spooked about that. And I remember you know, holding out my phone, people looking at me like, oh, is this person going to take a picture of me with their camera phone? And obviously that media narrative has run its course. We're no, now no longer afraid of, of camera phones. But it's important to be aware of it. And I love that example because you're taking the nonfiction research that you did for a fiction book and you're using that as a you're kind of weaponizing it for PR purposes and it helps vindicate all that time novelists do as research for their stories and obviously this won't work if you're writing fantasy <laughs> but you know sometimes you'll see sci-fi novelists get interviewed on scientific topics so don't rule it out as an option now you have uh, an eight-step process for doing PR for your book walk us through that process well, I have basically several different mechanisms for coming up with a strategy. And the first one is to sort of own your story, take an audit, uh, an inventory of what you've got and brainstorm possible obvious types of press releases that you could do. So let's say you wrote a novel about a blizzard. I mean, there's uh, the element of weather. Is there something else in there? Is there a survivalist component as well? Just take an inventory of everything in there. And, you know, what do you feel would be a really strong lead for a press release based on that? The second one is sort of to research, I guess, what genre and setting it is. It's one of those things where sometimes if you write about a particular subject, knowing that industry really well, and and then also determining what it is that you bring to that audience that is uh, new and novel, uh, what, what's different. And that you know, sometimes it's blind spots. Sometimes it's obvious things that just seem very familiar to that audience. But those are things that you need to you know, take a scope about and be aware of. And one thing I'd say too is research some of the top authors in your genre. Do a search for them on news sites and just see how they're getting interviewed. <laughs> what, what are they talking about and what angles they're using? You won't necessarily want to copy them exactly because you can't Stephen King better than Stephen King. <laughs> but if there are other authors who write similar books to you and you see paths that are working for them or, or places where they're being quoted, those people may be looking for more folks to quote. And my um, newspaper when I was in college had a rule not to quote Thomas anymore because I had gone through media training, political media training before I went to college. And so I knew exactly how to give good quotes for the journalist students. And so they would call me up for whatever was going on in the news because <laughs> I had to get at least three student quotes. It was the rule for the journalism program. So they finally like, don't quote Thomas all the time. <laughs> Um, and, and sometimes it's like that. It's like you can't keep going back to the same authors, right? you got to keep bringing in new authors. So if you can right. find similar authors, you might reach out to those journalists and say, hey, I saw that you quoted this person here, and you specifically send them a press release. So I love this idea of doing research because it's where you can find where others have had success and maybe have success there too. Right. And the next one is quotes. 
can you develop some really compelling quotes that stand on their own? You'd be surprised the number of stories that get written because you had such a compelling quote that the the journalist doesn't want to lose it. They want to build a story around it. Another approach is to be the friendly jerk, a.k.a. the contrarian. Is there something that you can say that's going against? It's almost like the opposite of newsjacking. Can you say, everybody's saying X, can you say Y? And reason for that and the importance of that is it's so easy for a journalist to find an opinion or a quote from someone who's going with everything, but it's very difficult for them to find someone who's saying just the opposite. And being fair and balanced, if they're exposed to that opposite viewpoint, they're certainly going to include it in anything that they're writing on that subject and topic. Oh yeah, this is the ultimate news tracking strategy, I would say, because it makes the story more interesting, right? You, if, if you set yourself up as the antagonist, you get all the media that you want. It doesn't work for every brand, but if you have the courage to set yourself up as a contrarian, if it works for your brand and your message in your book, it definitely makes it easier to get media because you're exactly right. And there are ways to, to go about being a contrarian that are completely level-headed and reasonable. And there are those that where you come across as the crazy uncle. We need more contrarians in this world. People are terrified to buck what society is telling them to do and to think. And it's it's really unfortunate. And the more people are willing to say the emperor has no clothes, uh, right. the better. So, yes, don't be the crazy uncle, but don't <laughs> write this off just because you're going to get criticism. Because that heat is exactly the sort of thing that makes something newsworthy. That's what gets you quoted after all. And the next one was the statistics, the count on me using data, whether it's a survey, stats, numbers that you pull out. You know, again, something that's got some meat to it that they can work with. And sometimes a survey can be interesting. And uh, if something happens in the novel, like, uh, you know, something is left in an auto repair shop finds it, you could have a survey of the, you know, 10 strangest things auto repair shops find in people's uh, cars as a tie-in that leads into uh, your book and novel. Uh, We had mentioned the newsjacking. That was the next one. And then uh, become a local media darling. You don't realize how difficult it is for journalists to find content, especially local journalists. You had mentioned before how you relied on press releases and things like that. For people looking for local media attention, it's very easy to get it. For the average person, there's probably less than 10 people in your area that would write on you. And I'm including TV and radio here as well. And the thing to know is that for um, TV shows and radio shows, you're probably gonna wanna reach the producer or booker, but for the uh, actual newspapers or you know magazines and things like that, you're gonna wanna reach the actual writer. It's as easy as calling and asking for the email address, doing a search on Twitter to see if they're there. Journalists uh, seem to love Twitter. Uh, find out where they are reach out to them uh, as it seems natural and form a real relationship with them. Even if you don't have something to promote right now, just reaching out to them with something that's hot in your industry or a trend that you're seeing that you feel would help them will be appreciated. And they're much more likely to reciprocate in that relationship later when you are wanting to promote something, even if it's like you know a, a reading tour or something that, that you're doing or, or the you know of course the book itself. And 
you know, all of these sort of ideas that I have, the, these strategies are just ways of, of analyzing and looking at the types of news that's out there and how you might be applicable to fit into that. So I would say, you know, read uh, your local publications, uh, read other authors in print and, you know, try to determine, you know, what it is about that story and how it worked, the mechanics of it, you know, what was the lead and is there something relevant that you could take away that would be applicable for you? Yeah, the local media is a really great point because for a lot of local news organizations, they have instructions from the editor to find the local angle for any story they're going to do. Nightly News is really big on this, right? Every single story you see in the light, uh, Nightly News has a local angle to it. And half of the stories that they're reporting are national stories, but they report on it like it's a local story. And here's an example of one from this morning that was in the end of a news broadcast. I was listening to um, The World and Everything in It, which is a news radio show, and they were talking about this medical school it's their humorous thing. And then they only have 40 slots in the medical school and the medical school accidentally emailed out acceptance letters to half a million students, most of which had never even applied to the medical school. And they had an example of some local, I'm going to say Houston affiliate. And that Houston affiliate had found somebody in their listening area or their viewing area, it's, it's TV, who had gotten one of these emails, right? All you would have had to do to get to newsjack this silly little story that everyone was running with was be like, yeah, I got the email. And now you've had to have received the email, but most people would have gotten an email like that and deleted it, right? But if you would have been like, hey, I got this email. If you're doing a story and you need a local angle, I'm happy to give you a quick quote or something and you forward it. And if you have that relationship, like you're talking about, you're developing it, you're much more likely to get selected, and so as you're watching the national news at six o'clock, just start paying attention at how at 630, the local news is covering those same topics, but often from a local angle and then start thinking, how can I be that local angle for the story? Obviously, most stories won't fit for you, but some of them will. And you never know when you will get selected. So let's say they see that opportunity. Now what? Right. It's like, oh. This is it. Finally, the perfect news story for me to hijack. I could be the local angle or I just found this perfect statistic that once people hear it, it's going to take take it to the world. Now what? So they're putting together the press release. What are the elements that need to go into that press release? Well, um, the most important element is the headline. The job of it is to get the journalist to click through when it's on the newswire and review the rest of the release for consideration. And for that reason, the opening sentence and opening paragraph is the most important because its job is to pull you in and to give you the information, the who, what, when, where, uh, how, why of the press release. And there can be a boilerplate or an about section near the end, usually about the author, but that's not required. You want to have a media contact uh, so that the media can reach out to you, especially novels and books, because they love to get quotes and to talk and feel things out. Because for a lot of these journalists, they're not going to read your novel, but they may want to know a little bit more about the settings, the characters, things like that, uh, age appropriateness. Is there any colorful language they need to be aware of? Things like that to sort of field it out. So they, they do love to talk to writers to get that information and determine whether this would be a good, safe thing for them to write about. I love that. And, you know, it's just about being, it's doing your preparation. It's also about being psychologically ready to jump on it because there is an, 
I think the biggest shift in thinking is in author world, nothing is in a rush. There's, there's no rush to anything. The deadlines aren't real. <laughs> Everyone's really laid back, especially for traditionally published authors. You're writing a book. It's not going to come out for two years. Uh, that is not how life is like for journalists. For journalists, they need your cell phone number because they have, when they go to print, they go to print and they need a quote in the next 30 minutes. And if they don't get it, your quote's not there, right? They need to get in touch with you. That contact information is no joke. It's not a mailing address for them to mail you a thank you note. It's a phone number or an email address for them to get an immediate response. And it, there's a real urgency to it and, and moving really quickly. Um, Speaking about getting press releases out to the world, that's something that your company does. Tell us a little bit about how you help authors get their press releases out to journalists. Right. So I started uh, 25 years ago. I was in grad school for creative writing with an emphasis in poetry, an MFA program. And I just assumed I was going to be a a waiter, a server, uh, the rest of my life. And I did that for one summer, uh, realized that didn't work. So I started an office job. And one of the things I had to do was program the fax machine and hit send when we had a press release. And so it held a hundred numbers. Uh, we had 190, 180, 190 journalists to reach. So I would program it with a hundred numbers, hit send. It would take all day to send that. And then the next day, I delete it and add the 80 or 90 numbers and hit send again. Ah, the olden days. <laughs> yes. And so we started to get journalists who would call us and say, could you just email me that as a Word document? Well, we publish a lot of telecom traffic statistics. So they, they wanted to cut and paste the numbers. And a light bulb went off and I said, emailing releases seems very natural and journalists seem to like it. So I uh, mentioned it to my boss. He said, sounds like a great business. You should create it. And so I spent about a year contacting journalists. And when I launched uh, a year later, I had about 10,000 journalists in my database and I would just email them relevant press releases on their beats and topics and that's grown over the years at one point Pierre Newswire reached out to me and said hey why don't you include us in the distribution and I'm like well you charge a thousand dollars I'm charging my clients two to four hundred it doesn't make a lot of financial sense so eventually we found a win-win situation in which we're able to include a custom national distribution over Pierre Newswire without charging a thousand dollars or more so it gives you that that wide reach and that possibility of getting major coverage if your story is newsworthy enough or interesting enough that it you know strikes someone's interest and basically we take the release we send it out through email which is what we began with and then we also send it over the newswire through pure newswire and uh, it's a great opportunity for small businesses to basically have the same lottery ticket that the large companies do in fact i think that journalists like to cover small hidden little gems rather than the big companies so it's a way in which you can get major uh, media attention and prominence you know, as opposed to a lot of people feeling it's only for the rich and those that are extremely newsworthy. And you know, like, why do I have to pay for a service like this? Like, well, part of it is paying ads to the filter because a lot of journalists get kind of carpet bombed with press releases that are not relevant. So a service like e-releases.com, you don't send every press release to every journalist, or at least I hope no, you don't. Tell me, take, you, you filter, yeah. So you have like, oh, this is the tech beat. This is the human interest beat or whatever. You have your different categories. And then when you send your press release, you're not carpet bombing everyone, carpet bombing a specific list. And the fact that you had to pay means that they're not getting a ton of 
emails from you every day. They're only getting a handful and, you know, depending on the group and maybe more some days and less others. And that's where the value is because a lot of people are like, oh, press releases don't work. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're just going to spam box, they don't work. There's something to be said about uh, getting to the traditional media. And a service like this is how you get your press release in front of the journalist, but it doesn't do you any good if you don't have a good press release. Right. <laughs> so now is that something that if somebody has a press release and it's kind of weak, but they're like, I know there's something here. Is that something that you help people with? We are. Uh, when you call or chat with uh, our office, you only speak to editors and we will look at your release, review it, give you ideas. We do ask for 24 hours to get back to you because sometimes we can be really busy in the middle of things, but often we can get back to you same day, but 24 hours at the latest. And we can give you some tips and suggestions to make the release stronger. Sometimes we might feel that what you lead with in the third paragraph is a lot stronger than what you lead with in the uh, headline and, and the opening paragraph. Burying the lead, people still do people that? People still do that. I think, <laughs> And I think that authors are very close to what they're writing about. And sometimes they take for granted what might be compelling to the average person. So I always say, talk to different people, ask them what they feel is the most important aspect of your work, uh, your story, what you've created. And each one of those could be an approach that you should lead with. I audited Journalism 101 in my college because I knew how valuable of a skill it was going to be, but I didn't want to pay for it because I didn't need the credit. <laughs> so I sat in on the class. I got to be friends with the uh, journalism professor who is excellent. And there was this classic example. She gave us this press release, this fake press release about a, a faculty symposium. And we were supposed to write up this press release about the faculty symposium. All faculty were going to it to be trained on something on Friday, blah, blah, blah. And we're all writing essays. And she's like, did any of you figure out what this is about, what the headline was? And some of us were talking about this. And she's like, the headline is there's no class on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and it's totally buried in all of the nonsense about the faculty symposium. If all the faculty are at an all-day event on Friday, then that means they can't teach class, which means there's no class. And so often the lead gets buried. And journalists are trained not to bury the lead. And it's really hard not to do that. And it's really easy in press releases to bury the lead. Uh, it's, it's kind of the it's the showing not telling kind of classic mistake that uh, is made with press releases. So I'm glad that you helped with that. And for the right book, this sort of thing can be a good investment. Now, before we go, because we're almost out of time, I want to talk a little bit about press releases as opposed to news releases and whether or not to embargo something to be just for the media and to have it only hit at a certain time as opposed to releasing it on your blog as well. Because I will say, as a journalist, back when I did radio, I got press releases through email, just like with what you're doing. I don't know if I got yours or not. But I also spent a lot of time in my RSS reader. Frankly, I spent more time in my RSS readers. Like, email, that's so 2010. Great. RSS is where it's at now. And I would follow relevant blogs related to the various topics I covered on the show, looking for blog posts on the topic. And it's common now for press releases the term is news release that i've heard and uh where it's a blog post as well walk us through the thinking in terms of strategy because you know if you have big news it's like you can't no one's allowed to talk about this uh, until 7 a.m on you know december 12th or whatever but there's other times when there's no specific urgency and you want to get it out 
broadly and you're putting it out as a blog, you're also putting it out on, as a newswire because you don't know which one's going to get your bites. Right. So, so what's the right strategy there? I think for most people, an embargoed release just doesn't make sense. On the newswire, it's never publicly released. It stays hidden on the back end for journalists forever. So that's additional exposure that you could be getting because a, a lot of bloggers and other people check out the the public releases that are on the newswire and things like that. So I feel like you're missing an opportunity if you do embargo. It makes sense for large companies. Maybe if you're Stephen King and you're launching something special, uh, an embargoed release makes sense. But I think for the average person, it doesn't. I am a big supporter of taking your press release and putting it out there yourself. So if it's on your blog, on your website, it's important to do that. I think that the people that get your content that are part of your community are the people that will champion you the strongest and you should make it very easy for them to see your content and be able to make it share it with others you know and link to it yeah and a real hack for that create a category on your blog called news releases and anytime you write a press release or send out you know, if new books coming out and have a big news release, put it in that category. You can also put it in other categories, but you put it in that category. And then if you're using Divi, it's really easy to show posts from just one category on a page. So on your media kit page, you can create a little module that says show all posts from the news release category. Maybe you only have one or two press releases a year, but now on your media page on your website, you can have a really professional looking automatically updated list of all your news releases so that if a journalist is researching you, uh, let's say it's a, a humble podcaster who's trying to figure out whether or not to have you on his podcast or not, or her podcast or not. She goes to your media kit page. She sees all your other media kit elements. And we have an episode. We'll include it in the show notes on how to put together a media kit. Media kits are kind of evergreen. Here's who I am and what I offer. Press releases are uh, specific. Here's what I have to say about a certain topic. They, they go hand in hand. But they often live on the same website, on the same web page. And it's really easy to have your press releases on that media kit page if you're using Divi to build your website, which is what we recommend. But many of the other page builders will do it as well. But I know for sure that you can do this with Divi and it doesn't take very long because Divi makes it really easy to do. And get into the practice of writing press releases. And, you know, they are lottery tickets. You can't control what journalists will pick up. And going out on a newswire doesn't guarantee that you're going to get picked up. There's not a guarantee. There is in some contexts, like if it's an industry newswire, some industries have like a news service where there's somebody who reads all the headlines. It's that way in podcasting. It's not hard to get on pod news if you're legit podcast news. (laughs) But in general, it's a lottery ticket and it could hit really big and you could become the next sensation. Most often that's not what happens, but you never know. And don't ignore the media and just assume that they're going to ignore you because They are looking for local voices. They're looking for unheard voices, and they're looking to scoop the other outlets. (laughs) So give them that opportunity to be that scoop. Present yourself as that scoop, and you never know. You might get featured. Real quick before we go, Mickey, where can people find out more about you? Uh, E-releases.com. All our social media is on the lower right there. I actually have my direct LinkedIn there as well. I do respond to LinkedIn if anyone wants to connect with me. Our website at ereleases.com, you can chat, you can call. You won't ever speak with a salesperson. Uh, All we have are editors, uh, six editors, and uh, they're there to help you and walk you through the process and explain things to you. All right. And any final tips or encouragement? Anything we should have talked about? 
Um, I think the biggest thing is that I see a lot of people who just feel like they're just not worthy of press and they're, I don't know whether it's shy or I'm not sure what it is, but some of my most successful clients were very resistant about doing press releases. And I had one person who said, I've contacted my local newspaper. They don't want to cover me. I'm doing a book reading. They don't want to even put that in the calendar. And uh, he goes, nothing's going to happen. We positioned the, the novel as well as we could. And he got the front page entertainment section of USA Today. And wow. uh, the first thing I told him to do after that happened is scan that, send it to that uh, newspaper and say, I'd like you to rethink that article about me. And guess what? <laughs> they did. And uh, uh, the sad thing of it was he only sold a few hundred copies of his book from USA Today. He was really hoping that that would be tens of thousands of copies of the book. But, you know, that's a major coup that the USA Today thought that this novel was relevant enough not only to share with their audience, but to put it on the front page of the entertainment section, including a, an image of the, the book cover as well. And that's a great credibility builder because you can now put that on your media page. If you go to thomasumstead.com, it's got logos of all the different media outlets that have, not all of them, I need to update it, but it has a lot of them that have interviewed me about various topics, um, various times, because while journalists are looking to scoop each other, they are also looking for people who are media friendly and mediagenic, and they are put at ease to know that somebody else has interviewed you. And the normal way to do it is you trade up the chain. You start with kind of small blogs, and you go to big blogs, and you get into radio, TV, and you work your way up from, you know, cable TV to main TV. But it can go the other way too, right? If you get on the front page of the USA Today, you can trade down the chain and yeah. bludgeon editors over the head to get you back on. And I totally believe uh, that that works. So uh, Mickey Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us today on the novel marketing podcast. Thanks for having me uh, real quick before we go. I just wanted to insert a short apology here for how late this episode was. My family got sick. I got sick. In fact, I was so fatigued for about a week, a week and a half. I, all I could do was get out of bed, do the office hours for the book launch blueprint, and then go back to bed. I had a sore throat. I had a cough and uh, many of the other symptoms of COVID, and as did my family. So uh, we didn't test positive for COVID. It was a self-administered test, and I'm pretty sure I did it wrong. <laughs> I didn't uh, scrape the edge of my brain like apparently you're supposed to. So maybe that's what we had, maybe not. I hope it's what we had, because I'd love to think that we've passed through the, the fire, so to speak. But regardless, I just was not making episodes for two weeks, and I apologize. Uh, we are doing better now. I'm not quite sure which is worse, being sick with sick children or being sick with well children or bouncing off the walls when all you want to do is sleep. But uh, my wife and I took turns uh, figuring out who was the sicker one and then the weller or better uh, feeling one took care of the children. But regardless, uh, I do want to thank our featured patron today. It's John Schruger, author of The Exorcism of Frosty the Snowman. In the frozen north, children link hands in a ritual circle to sing a song they never learned to summon a primordial enemy they never knew existed. Frosty is just a fairy tale, they say. They were wrong. And uh, thank you to John for being a patron of the podcast. It is your support that keeps this show coming every week or almost every week. <laughs> Sorry, I missed two in a row. It's been a while since I've missed two in a row without notice. But if you'd like to become a patron to help support the show, you can do that at authormedia.com 
or at patreon.com. And our featured course today is the free Seven Secrets of Amazing Author Websites. This is based off of material I've been teaching authors for over a decade. Now, the first part of the course is how to build a website yourself, even if you're not a techie person, step-by-step on how to build a website. But if you don't want to build a website yourself, the second part of the course is still helpful. It's all about how to have your website be more effective, more useful, and more beneficial to your readers. The kind of website readers don't just want to visit, but want to return to and tell their friends about. If you have that kind of website, it makes it a lot easier to sell a lot of books. You can get this course for free at authormedia.com. You've been listening to Mickey Kennedy and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstead, and the blog post is by Shauna Letellier. To find the blog version of this episode or to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit authormedia.com. Thank you for listening, and live long and prosper.